Hey sinners, Serotonin here, just dropping in with a quick intro. This podcast was originally written and recorded for Spotify, where I'm able to embed some ripper tunes between segments to support the topics, new releases, or particular artists which are discussed. This version has been adjusted to allow sharing on alternate platforms and unfortunately won't include those tracks, which might make my silly segues and transitions just a little bit strange. If you would like to be able to check out the songs that were intended to be part of this episode, jump through the Sin and Steel link tree to the songs from the Sin and Steel podcast playlist, or see the track listing in the description of the episode. Hello and welcome to Sin and Steel, the heavy metal podcast. I'm your host, Serotonin, and today we're playing Are You Metal? Testing your knowledge on all things heavy metal through four rounds of trivia. For round one, as always, we're talking metal in pop culture. Round two, we take a look at a particular subgenre, which for today is death metal. Round three's special topic is breaking the law. And round four, we'll be traveling back just over 10 years to heavy metal in the year 2002. Today's episode is packed with music from artists including Sabaton, The Who, Cannibal Corpse, Skid Row, Dio, Alice in Chains, and more. If you're playing competitively, get yourself a pen and paper, designate your teams, and have someone ready on the pause button just in case you need a little extra time between questions. Otherwise, sit back, listen in, and see how you do on your own. So let's see, are you a metal machine? That was Sabaton with Metal Machine. Our very first question for today, what 1990s MTV animated series follows a pair of teenage slackers and their love of hard rock and heavy metal? What's the name of this MTV cartoon? Question two, the song Shugan Ashena by Mongolian metal band The Who, that's H-U, featured in what 2019 video game? I've got no doubt I butchered the song title there. I have no idea how to pronounce it, but regardless of how you say the song title, what video game did The Who have their songs feature in in 2019? Three, what's the name of Dio's supernatural demon-faced mascot? Number four, in the 2001 film The Mummy Returns, the Scorpion King, who's played by The Rock and a whole lot of awful CGI, has a serious role. What metal musician provided these guttural sounds off camera? Five, in a 2014 episode of The Simpsons, they referred to what band incorrectly as death metal? There's only one surefire way to get fugitives out of a foreign building, blasting death metal. To pay their penance for the misgenreing, in the next episode's intro, Bart was writing on the blackboard, blank is not death metal. Six, which Anthrax album cover features caricatures of the band created by the artist Mort Drucker who worked with Mad Magazine? Which album was this? And question seven, our last one for this round. In the opening episode of season two of the show The Young Ones, the gang run off to go get a train, leaving their lounge room empty. What band appear and start playing while they're gone? Bonus points if you know what song they played. There were loads of band appearances on The Young Ones, but we're looking for this very special heavy metal edition from the beginning of season two. We'll be back with the answers after we take a listen to The Who, Black Thunder. Okay, time for the answers for round one, Metal in Pop Culture. 
Question one was, what 1990s animated series from MTV followed a pair of teenage metalheads? This was, of course, the almighty bunghole, the great cornholio, Beavis and Butthead. You cannot escape the almighty bunghole! Two, Mongolian band The Who featured in what 2019 video game? This was Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. The game's protagonist, Cal Kestis, listens to the song. It's actually performed by an in-universe version of the band um, called the Argazar. Question three, what's the name of Dio's mascot? This is Murray. And although you get the point for Murray, this is actually a nickname. His full name is Murrelzy. He has a whole lore behind him. The Dream Evil Tour book came with a full outline of Murray's history from the origins of the earth, Murray running away from home, magically sleeping for a trillion years before he finally befriended Dio and shared with him all his stories that Dio turned into his songs. 4. Who voiced the growls and screams of the Scorpion King in The Mummy Returns? This was Max Cavalera. Number 5. In a 2014 episode of The Simpsons, which band were incorrectly referred to as death metal? This was Judas Priest. So Bart's lines on the board in the next episode intro was Judas Priest are not death metal. There's only one surefire way to get fugitives out of a foreign building. Blasting death metal. Respecting the law, respecting the law. Copyright law, copyright law. Question six. Which Anthrax album cover was drawn by Mad Magazine artist Mort Drucker? This was Euphoria and features caricatures of all the band members. Seven, what band performed in the lounge room on the young ones in the first episode of season two? This was Motorhead and for bonus points, they performed Ace of Spades. Lemmy was asked later on whether he'd built up any rapport with the comedians. It was kind of assumed that they must be a good time, right? Well, wrong. Lemmy said they were really fucking boring. Anyway, you'll still never win because nothing interesting ever happens to us. Stop being so boring, Rick. Oh, well, that's nice, isn't it? That's very nice. Coming from someone as boring as you. Look, can you two guys stop hustling each other? I'm getting really bored with it, all right? <laughs> Dear me! Poor old Neil's getting bored. The most boring person in the whole world is finally getting a taste of his own medicine. Listen, I think we're overdoing the boredom motif in this conversation. Tally up your points for a possible total of eight, and we'll jump into round two after Ace of Spades by Motorhead. For today's subgenre round, we're looking at death metal. And I noticed that there's a wiki how for how to appreciate death metal. So I thought this could help us with a bit of an introduction. It starts off by saying, while most people associate death metal music with a bunch of guys screaming and creating random noise, there's a multitude of reasons why this genre maintains a strong following and earns the fierce loyalty of many listeners worldwide. We have a beautiful six-step guide here, with step one advising to listen beyond the tearing guitars and unusual vocals. It says... Although the rough guitar sound and guttural vocals that permeate much of death metal can take a little getting used to, especially if your ears are accustomed to softer sounds, it's more than just idiotic noise. Honestly, I think that's all you need of these. The rest are really just about how great the musicians are, not to be offended by the lyrics, and to take some time to learn about the subgenres with lots of different band recommendations. 
There's also this gem in the Q&A though, which asks, what if I hate it? The very wise answer, if you hate it, don't listen to it. There's no reason to torture yourself. So if someone asks what's death metal, the answer is it's more than just idiotic noise. So back to our trivia. Question one, what band credited as one of those expanding death metal out into the grindcore subgenre got into the Guinness Book of Records with the shortest song ever recorded? Two, from 1996 until what year were Cannibal Corpse Records banned in Australia? Number three, the band Death, featuring the dreamy Chuck Schuldner, originally formed under what name? Question four. What late 80s Swedish death metal band released a new album this year after a 12-year gap since their last album release? Question five. During spring break of 1985, four American teenagers booked some studio time to record their debut album, which went on to be one of the founding and defining moments for the death metal genre. What band was this? And six, in the film Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, which death metal band cameo in a live performance? Bonus points if you know which song they played. We'll be back with the answers after this one. That was Vomitory with All Heads Are Gonna Roll the title track of their latest album and their first release in 12 years? This is the answer to question four. Which Swedish death metal band released an album this year after a 12-year gap? Vomitory. And what an album to come back with. It is absolutely killer. For question one, what band got into the Guinness Book of Records for the shortest song ever recorded? Well, let's give it a listen. It was Napalm Death with You Suffer, coming in at a whole 1.31 seconds long, with a total of four words. You suffer, but why? Strangely, this song made it to the 2023 Rolling Stone 100 Greatest Heavy Metal Songs of All Time list, ranking in at number 72. Um, It also inspired a whole other micro-genre called Noisecore, which includes bands like Sore Throat, Seven Minutes of Nausea, and Anal Cunt, who release albums only containing micro-songs, and it's even been covered live by bands like Opeth. Who would have thought so much would come from a 1.31 second song? Question two, from October 1996, the sale of any Cannibal Corpse audio recording was banned in Australia, forcing music shops to remove any stock and allowing the Australian Music Retailers Association time to implement their system for identifying any potentially offensive records. This led to a whole 10 years of no Cannibal Corpse sales or no legal Cannibal Corpse sales with the ban being lifted in 2006. Three, Floridians, death, originated under what name? This was Mantis. Four, we've already answered this, but if you missed it, it was Vomitory who released their new album this year after a 12 year hiatus. For question five, we asked about four American teens who booked some studio time during spring break of 1985, defining the death metal genre. Who was this? This was Possessed with their debut album, Seven Churches. There's always been kind of ongoing debate regarding the creation of death metal as a genre, particularly between kind of Possessed and Death, but Possessed Seven Churches predates Death's debut album, Scream Bloody Gore, by two years 
Regardless of how you feel about it, this album was absolutely monumental in developing the death metal style and it remains an absolute classic. And final question for this round, question six, which band cameoed with a live performance in Ace Ventura, Pet Detective? This was of course, Cannibal Corpse. And for bonus points, they played a shortened version of Hammer Smashed Face. Excuse me, it's Frank here. Thank you. Apparently the band were really skeptical when they first received the call to appear in a Jim Carrey film. They weren't sure if the offer was legit and they didn't know how they would be portrayed. Being a, you know, big, brutal death metal band, they wanted to be taken seriously. They were eventually convinced that, you know, Jim Carrey would be doing any of the silliness they could just perform as themselves. And so they said yes. I didn't think it was necessarily surprising that Jim Carrey had requested a band like Cannibal Corpse appear in the movie. He's always presented himself as a bit of a metalhead. He's expressed an interest in it on talk shows. And like back in the 90s, he did a pretty funny impression of Napalm Death. That's called uh, Napalm Death. And, uh, and it's so hilarious. I mean, I listened to this album, I started listening to this album and it was literally, I'm not exaggerating, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> But apparently that's not quite true. Um, his ex-son-in-law, Alex Santana, who's the lead singer of LA death metal band Blood Money, he's claimed that it's all very exaggerated and that Jim actually hates death metal and had no idea who Cannibal Corpse were before doing the movie. And so, I don't know. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. For a little bit more trivia on this one, the credit in the film goes to Thrasher band Cannibal Corpse, so it seems like they're pulling a Simpsons. And apparently before they finished Ace Ventura, Cannibal Corpse were offered another movie role. That was rescinded though, because once they found out they were doing Ace Ventura, they didn't want to have the same band on their film. Uh, instead, that role got taken on by White Zombie and that movie was Airheads. So before we jump into the next round, let's have a listen to Cannibal Corpse. For round three today, we're breaking the law, breaking the law. We're looking at our metal gods, guys and gits getting into trouble with the law. Question one. In 1982, Ozzy Osbourne, certainly not a stranger to being arrested, was arrested in San Antonio, Texas and banned from performing there for 10 years. For what charges? There are two and you'll get a point for each one that you get right. So which two charges did Ozzy face in Texas in 1982? Question two, vocalist for what metalcore band was sentenced to prison in 2014 for soliciting an undercover detective to murder his wife? Vocalist for what metalcore band? Question three, back in 1993, who brutally murdered Mayhem's guitarist, Euronymous? Four, which hair metal frontman was arrested in 1984 following an alcohol-fueled vehicle smash that killed drummer Nicholas Dingley, aka Razzle, who was driving the car. Number five, in 2010, Sebastian Bach of Skid Row got into strife at a bar in Ontario, Canada. He was asked to leave the bar shortly after midnight, but he hadn't finished his glass of wine. He asked to take the wine with him, but the bartender told him no. So what did Sebastian do? Let's give this one a multiple choice. Did he A, 
piss on the guy's shoes and walk out with the glass. B. Throw the glass and punch the guy. Or C. Smash the glass and bite the guy. And question six. What well-known guitarist was arrested in 1993 for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon after reportedly holding their 19-year-old girlfriend against their will? We'll be back with the answers after this one. That was Skid Row with Big Guns. Straight into our answers, question one. What was Ozzy arrested for in 1982 in Texas, resulting in a 10-year ban from performing there? This was public urination and public intoxication. He pissed on a 60-foot statue near the Alamo, and apparently he was wearing a dress at the time because Sharon had hidden all his clothes. You get a point for each one of those you got correct. Two, vocalist of which metalcore band was arrested after trying to put a hit on his wife of eight years? This was Tim Labesis of the band As I Lay Dying. He claimed that his mind was altered due to steroids, which I'm sure it was, but fuck. Uh, He spent six years in prison for that one. Number three, who murdered Euronymous? This was Burzum's Varg Vikernes. Euronymous opened a record shop in Norway in 1991, which became a gathering point for the black metal scene in Norway. So naturally, Varg spent lots of time there. He was involved in lots of interviews and marketing, but supposedly he didn't agree with how Euronymous ran things. So there was lots of conflict already going on. He was supposed to have a record company and a shop and run it, but he was a terrible businessman. And when he released uh, my debut album, the Burtzum uh, debut album, the Burtzum debut album, he, um, he had to ask me for the money to afford it. When he sold out all his uh, all the copies, and he did quite fast, when he had sold everything out, he didn't have the money to print more. So months went by, and uh, as a musician, to me that was rather frustrating. So I um, visited his visited his shop quite often to you know try to help him run his business. I mean, he was so incompetent he didn't even manage to go to the post office and collect you know. Uh, packages with albums he was, that he was supposed to sell in his shop because you know he didn't have a car and the gods forbid you know taking the bus or walking would be too hard I guess. And Varg managed to get himself into trouble with police through some of the comments he would make in the interviews that were done there um, so there was lots of drama but later on Varg tried to claim that Euronymous was planning to kill him so he decided to strike first. Now he was planning to to uh kidnap me. He was planning to knock me out with an electroshock pistol like the type the security guards carry and um, tie me up, take me into the forest and uh, make a snuff film while torturing me to death. And of course, uh, <laughs> I took it serious. When Varg was invited to his apartment in 1993, he stabbed Euronymous to death. Varg was sentenced to 21 years in prison, served 16 and was released on parole in May of 2009. Uh, okay, I can just tell you it now. We can hold it in for many years, but actually I was on my way down to kill him myself. Question four. Which hair metal frontman crashed their car, killing their passenger, Razzle? This was Vince Neil of Motley Crue. They left a party to go and get more booze, crashing their car into another one on the way. 
The passengers of the other car survived, but Razzle did not. He was pronounced dead on arrival at the nearby hospital. Vince was made to pay 2.6 million in restitution to the families. He was charged with vehicular manslaughter, ordered to serve 200 hours of community service, five years probation and 30 days in jail. Number five. In 2010, Sebastian Bach got himself into a bit of trouble at a bar in Canada. When he was asked to leave and he was told he couldn't take his glass of wine with him, what did he do? The answer was C. He smashed the glass and he bit the owner on the hand. He was charged with assault and possession because he just happened to have a little bit of weed on him at the time. And he received some charges of just general mischief. I don't know if that's an actual charge, but that's what I read. And six, what guitar master was charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon after reportedly holding their 19-year-old girlfriend against their will? This was Ingve Malmsteen. He was holding his girlfriend, later wife, Amber Landon, on his property. Her mother tried to take her home, but Ingve pulled out a shotgun and a handgun and said, if you think you're taking her anywhere, you're not, or you're going to find out how this gun works. Which one, Ingve? Which one? The charges were dropped later on when him and Amber married, and I'm sure that when the cops were called, he was probably claiming that the mother was a liar. For our final round today, we're looking at heavy metal in the year 2002. To start us off, what Faroe Island band debuted their first album, How Far to Asgard, in 2002? Question two. In 2002, Alice in Chains frontman Lane Staley passed away. What was the cause of death? Number three. Who wrote the soundtrack for the 2002 film Queen of the Damned, adapted from the book of the same name by Anne Rice? Who wrote the soundtrack? Four, what Canadian progressive death metal band first formed in 2002, releasing their debut album a couple of years later under the title Concealed? Question five, in 2002, Dave Mustaine was admitted to hospital to have kidney stones removed. He was given medication that led to a relapse. And while he was in rehab, he sustained an injury that left him unable to use his left arm for quite some time. What did he do to injure it? Question six, what Dio album was released in 2002? The title of this album is also according to Wendy Dio, what Dio would say he was doing when he went in for cancer treatments a few years later. And just for another hint, here's a song off the album. That was Along Comes the Spider off the Dio album, Killing the Dragon. That's your answer to question six, Killing the Dragon. Question one, what Faroe Island band debuted in 2002? This was Tear with their album, How Far to Asgard, and it is a fantastic album. Tune in for the next Artist Spotlight episode on the 26th of July, where I'm gonna do a bit of a dive into their music and history. Two, how did Alice in Chains frontman Lane Staley die? This was a drug overdose. If you wanna get more specific, he overdosed on cocaine and heroin. Man was doing speedballs. Three, who wrote the soundtrack to the Queen of the Damned film? This was Jonathan Davis of Korn. He did originally record vocals on a number of tracks, but his contracts with Sony at the time prevented him from being able to use these in the film. So instead, he ended up having some others come in to do the vocals. This included appearances from Wayne Static of Static X, David Draymond of Disturbed, Chester Bennington of Linkin Park, and Marilyn Manson. 
Apparently there were also plans for Jonathan to do a duet with Elia, who played Queen Acacia in the film and, of course, was a very well-known R&B artist at the time. But unfortunately, this didn't end up occurring before her death. She was wonderful in the movie. She had this really ethereal beauty and movement that just worked so well for the character. Lestat, on the other hand, um, I wasn't so keen. I'm not a big fan of Tom Cruise, but I think he did a great job in Interview with the Vampire. And as far as movie adaptations of books go, I still regard that one quite highly. Lestat in Queen of the Damned, on the other hand, was who? Stuart Townsend. Again, who? Question four. What Canadian progressive death metal band formed in 2002, releasing their first album under the title Concealed a couple of years later? This was Augury. Five. When Dave Mustaine went back into rehab after relapsing following kidney stone removal and hospital-administered drugs, how did he injure his arm? He fell asleep on it. Specifically, he had it tucked over the back of a chair and fell asleep, but he fell asleep on it. It compressed the nerve and it took months of physical therapy to regain any movement. We already answered number six, but if you missed it, it was Dio killing the dragon. Before we finish up for today, here's one more track from Alice in Chains, Them Bones. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please make sure you subscribe to and share the podcast, follow me on social media, and feel free to reach out through email at sinandsteel@outlook.com. Check out my link tree to access playlists, including songs from the episodes, and for the Sin and Steel Redbubble store for merch featuring artwork drawn by myself. This has been episode eight of Sin and Steel, Are You Metal? I'm your host, Sarah Tonin. And sinners, until next time, stay metal.